It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. How would you like to sleep in on the weekends without having to get up early to let your chickens out? Or not have to rush home after eating dinner to shut your chickens in for the night? And who's had the unfortunate surprise that a raccoon, possum, or fox got to your chickens because you forgot to close the coop? Well, your days of worrying have come to an end. Introducing the Chicken Guard Automatic Chicken Coop Door Opener. Working off either the timer or light sensor, Chicken Guard automatically opens your coop door in the morning to let the girls out and shuts it at night to keep them safe. Tried and trusted by over 40,000 users worldwide. Buy Chicken Guard online at chickenguardian.com or your local farm and feed store. That's chickenguardian.com. 
Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feeds. Hey, uh, we got a great show lined up for you today. We've got poultry scientist Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. She's going to be discussing some popular bird maintenance tasks, uh, such as uh, trimming some toenails, right, and um, maybe some wing clipping, and maybe even bathing the bird if they're just gotten nasty due to all the rain and and uh, your coops kind of and runs kind of became a soupy mess. And we may even talk a little bit about molting, since some questions now, it's because the season are starting to pop up on some of the blogs and forums uh, that we see online. And there were a couple of other things, and I'll go back to the email I had shared with her uh, to see exactly what uh, other topics. And uh, you can even post your questions. If you have questions, you can uh, send them over to um, CW at chickenwhisperer.com. I'll be uh, watching my email during the show at cw at chickenwhisperer.com. You can post them over on our Facebook page, and you can even post your questions on Twitter, and I'll be monitoring those as we talked with uh, Dr. McRae during the show today. Um, I'm just getting back from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, in fact, we got back yesterday evening. Had a great three days there. Of course, I just love Nashville to begin with. But uh, I went up there. It was kind of last minute. I'll be honest. I was uh, um, lying in bed at like 2 a.m. last week, and uh, maybe it was the week before, and flipping through Twitter, and I saw um, information about this uh, seminar, and I said, hey, this sounds awesome, right up my alley, I've got to go, and we packed up and went, 
uh, as a whole family like we always do, but I attended over the last three days the U.S. Poultry um, and uh, Egg Association. They had a uh, seminar on production, welfare, and biosecurity. And I went up there, I believe it was Monday night, we had a two-hour reception, got to pass out a lot of business cards, got to network uh, with a lot of folks, which was fabulous. And then, boy, the next morning, the learning began. And it was just, um, I'm always amazed at, at the research and the science that some of these companies and universities uh, are, are doing. It's just fascinating. I'll give you an example. Uh, we had one researcher there, one scientist, from uh, the old, I mean, he's probably not listening, but I think he was from Belgium, somewhere over in the Netherlands area, Norway, oh, where? And him, himself and his team, and he has a team of investors, are researching sexing chicks while they're still in the egg. In ovo, I think it's called, sexing. And his, he's been doing this for a while, and he's got it down, I mean, so much science. Uh, about how he does this, uh, again, it was fascinating. And he says that seven days, can't do it. Can't do it all at seven days. Even eight days, um, the percentage of success is not great. But at nine days, he's got a 95% or greater um, uh, average of sexing these chicks. Now, why, why is this important? Well, and it depends on your view. Totally get that. But there's no secret that whether it's commercial or for the backyard flock, okay, so you backyarders aren't uh, necessarily immune from this, but because, mo let's face it, most people want layers. We're not talking about production broilers, but, you know, whether it's in your backyard, uh, whether it's, you know, all the eggs you buy in the store, whatever the case may be, um, male baby chicks, cockerels, they're just not wanted. And so whether you like it or not, uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but at the end of the day, those and we'll say what it is, millions of uh, cockerels, um, the old cockerels are destroyed. Um, and so they're looking at a way uh, to try to limit this. There's been all kinds of studies like, well, maybe if we incubate with a little bit more heat, we'll get more males, or not as much heat, less heat, and we'll get females, and, 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 and you know things like that. There's always that myth out there in the backyard land that's, oh, pointy eggs are male, and rounded eggs are more female when they hatch, and... Uh, <laughs> Factor chicken poop, and um, but but this was fascinating, and I guess at the end of the day they're trying to figure out ways to do this quickly and effectively, um, if it's even possible at a mass scale, uh, so at nine days you can empty your incubator uh, with these developing eggs. Now we can debate this all day long based on okay, you know it's at, at nine days it's you know heartbeat and that that kind of topic but um this is ongoing science and of course it was fascinating to be able to sex at nine days eight days again the percentage was low seven days can't do it at all nine days he was uh, 95 percent uh success rate and over and identifying the sex at nine days in the incubation period and then um again maybe trying to figure out a way to eliminate uh the process of hatching these millions of of cock of the baby chicks and then destroying them instead of just you know and and the equipment to do so and, and and i asked him i stood up at the end when we were doing questions i said have you seen have you has it shown have you done studies have you heard from people that kind of get riled up and get up in arms about the process of destroying uh, the day-old little baby chick males, the cockerels, uh, would this method 
be acceptable to them? Would they be willing to accept this um, versus the other method? And his answer wasn't real scientific, but he said that uh, the information they have is that when you show them this nine-day developed embryo in the egg and a cute, fluffy little baby chick, that there there seems to be a big difference in whether scientifically the outcome is different or not and based on your views, but there seems to be a difference in perception versus you having this cute little cuddly baby chick um, sitting there that all of a sudden goes into a grinder um, and and this egg that's just kind of in the de- nine days into development and destroying that. So um, it, it was very fascinating. I had to ask that question because I know that's probably one reason why they're doing it. Um, and because uh, that's a lot of wealth. In fact, uh, it was mentioned over uh, the uh, over the days that you know from the big poultry producers, we're doing what we're doing today because of the customer. At the end of the day, whether it be the no cage or the free range or the the, the pasture raised or the the, or the welfare, you know, it's almost customer driven. Um, and so this science as well uh, probably fits into that category. But the science was fascinating. Never stop learning. You've seen me hashtag that over the last three days. Never stop learning. It's awesome science, uh, which is fascinating. I, I learn so much. Why would you just want to stop learning? Uh, there's science out there, and I'm hoping the gentleman that shared this um, that shared this with people to. Um, what? I think we threw him away, babe. I know. I think I think we threw him away yesterday at the gas station when we were coming back into town. Go ask Mama though. Okay. That was my six-year-old. He wanted his uh, paper airplanes that were in the truck, and the truck was locked, and I had to break the news to him, as you heard, that uh, I think we threw him away at the gas station when we got into town filling up. Oh, well. He'll get over it. We'll make some more. So, um, But he shared um, uh, from UC Davis uh, about – I thought he's going to write an article for Chicken Whisper Magazine in the winter issue about how uh, their science shows, their studies show. Uh, he even went as far as saying that chickens do not dust bathe Chickens do not dust bathe like we always kind of assumed and you, you read about to get rid of external parasites, but to get rid of feather uh, lipids. So that was uh, that was that was fascinating too. So he's kind of said, "Hey man, you got you got to write an article about this in our magazine because it's just it's out there and we want to know what your study showed." It may be a combination of this is primarily why they do it, but hey, while they're doing it, it also gets rid of some external parasites as well as a side benefit. But the, really, the reason why they're doing it as a chicken is uh, is this other reason. So that's fascinating. I'm trying to think of anything else uh, we learned about um, in all the classes that I took. Learned a lot about, um, uh, what was it, uh, necrotic, uh, what was it, and I needed to bring uh, Dr. McCray on, uh, enteritis, something like, anyways, just a lot of stuff, a lot of disease and a lot of things they're doing to prevent this disease and welfare practices that they're doing. Um, and I will say this, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, if you want to call it that way, the the, the studies out there that have been done, and you can argue, well, who's, who's, who's paid for that study, blah, 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 blah. But regardless, across the board, studies are showing, and we talked about this, uh, even though the, a lot of them are going to cage-free uh, due to, again, consumer demand, uh, it's almost unprecedented um, results that with the free-range systems, going cage-free for the layers, that even if you provide swings for them and dust bathing and roost and things like that, that uh, they have – and so you have to kind of weigh it, okay? So 
lifestyle, what the bird in inherently wants to do, like roost and take a dust bath and maybe completely stretch its wings and feathers, uh, that versus higher mortality rates due to other things like disease, like coccidiosis, like bumblefoot, like cannibalism. Um, so you can like, okay, so the birds in the cages may have an inherent uh, an internal inherent need to do these things, but if we allow them to do these things in this cage-free environment, we're going to lose more birds. Now, is that humane? I mean, people argue it's not humane to keep them all cranked up in cages where they can't roost, they can't dust bathe, they can't do this, and da da da. But then, if we take them out of the cages, more are going to die due to cannibalism. And then I, I, they say, you know, some people say, well, that's fine because that's natural. Um, so okay, so it's kind of like uh, the pasture-raised poultry. If you talk about the negatives there, the parasite, open oh, more control, things like that, and you and you bring that up, say, well, you're going to lose a lot of birds to predators. Um, well, well, that's okay because that's natural, and it, and it may be natural. But you still, I mean, and one of the professors there was like, you know, I'm not sure if I was a chicken, if I would rather, um, I don't know. I mean, getting eaten by a predator in that violent method, may, it, was that better and more humane for the bird, even though it's natural, than than uh, having them in a caged environment where we have less disease, we have less parasites, we have less cannibalism, we have less disease, we have less coccidiosis. So, so it was very, again, fascinating, educational, and, and but without a doubt, at the end of the day, the uh, – uh, cage free uh, with the egg layers uh, presents a lot of challenges uh, that may at the end of the day you know you have to weigh it okay, yes I guess I would rather have the bird be able to roost and I think take a dust bath and um, walk around and stretch its wings uh, even though at the end of the day it's probably going to die from coxodiosis or from it's going to die from cannibalism versus maybe you know living in a different type of atmosphere and uh, and living longer so uh, fascinating stuff, and I will continue to share all of that stuff with you guys, all the things that I've learned and when I go to these uh, events. Um, and if you want to you know, follow me on Twitter, it's at Backyard Poultry. Tons of uh, information there. So uh, enough of that. Fascinating. Had a great time. Three days of just uh, absolutely chicken awesomeness. Uh, I'm heading to the phone lines right now. I'm going to bring on my good friend, poultry scientist, Dr. Bridget McRae. And um, we're going to talk about some of these things uh, today to help you as the backyarder uh, maintain a healthy flock uh, all year round, but of course through the fall as well. Dr. McCray, thanks for joining us today. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. This is going to be a great show. Uh, I'm always, again, never stop learning. And Maintenance, um, yep, just, maintenance topics. Exactly. It's, I'm going it's back all the little things the, uh, that add up to your whole experience with your flock. Right. And all the things that exactly. people don't mind continuing their learning process about. So as you get your chicks, there's some maintenance there. As you get your birds in the growth stage, people tend to learn more and more, um, seek information, and then as their flock starts to lay, the entire learning process changes because your birds now laying so um yeah i know you had a, a great experience at that mo uh, meeting um when's your next one um, i don't know i gotta start looking and i'm so close now to where we're living where we're setting up shop where we're building our home uh next spring um working on the property improvements now i'll, I'll literally be prob more than likely within an hour less than an hour 
might be closer to 45 minutes, but 40 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour to University of Georgia. So I'm hoping that I know they often have a lot of uh, open classes and classes you can sign up for and things like that. So I look forward to uh, picking and choosing wisely uh, with those to see which ones would uh, best um, best uh, meet my needs. As again, trying to educate the, the backyarder, but uh, so that's cool. But you I know I'll find be going out to who's Oh, yeah. You should find out who's running seminar each semester and see if you can get a list of the seminars and see if you're can mm-hmm. if you allowed to sit in on them, on certain ones, yeah. the ones right. that interest sure. you. Um, sometimes if a student does a study abroad, they'll come back with, with um, you know, pictures and tales about their experience. And then, of course, in some universities – that have poultry programs, the grad students have to present a couple of times before they get their degree. Um, depending on the program, it may be once, it may be twice, it may be three times. And I think one of them probably is on their research topic, probably the one right at the end. Um, but that's just something for you to consider. You can call the secretary of the poultry department and see if they would be willing to let members of the general public come and listen to a, a seminar topic of interest to them. I think I will do that. Yeah. Because they, do that they have soon, that on no. Mondays here um, in the poultry science department. I'm going to be presenting in November about a little bit of history on turkey production in the United States. Um, so that's a fun they're going to be a fun topic, but uh, I know our seminar schedule got a little cattywampus because of Irma. Irma showed up on a Monday, and I think it was going to be the first Monday. <laughs> so the students that were talking about their study abroad clearly were not in the classroom talking about study abroad because the university was closed. <laughs> um, no, but that'd be that'd be really interesting if if folks are. If they have a good relationship or want to start a good relationship with their local poultry university, that would be something to consider. Um, but you got to start with the, the poultry science department phone number and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'd like to speak with the person who's yeah. is teaching the seminar class this semester. And dun da 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 hopefully you'll get pointed in the right direction. Exactly. Um, I agree. Hey, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you may you may have something else you want to share. I was going to jump into a topic, but I was going to, before we got into the topics we discussed, I got a, a post from somebody that wanted oh. to ask you a question. Um, but, but if you have something else you wanted to share, please do. Nope. Before we nope. start kind of into the meat and potatoes. Okay. Um, uh, the young lady who had the beetle issue that you've talked and you know the quality of care she gives to her flock and whatnot uh, up in uh, or down in Florida and uh, and I think you know who I'm talking about with the uh, black wing beetles I think or whatever and and all that so she had a question let me get over here to it and um, it's, it's just more of your I guess your your opinion of things hang on let me see where it's at um, she writes um, I'm busy cleaning coops today and don't have any cell service to listen in very bummed about that but I have a question for Dr. McCray. I've been seeing posts popping up where people say they took their bird to the vet. Vet gives a whopper of a diagnosis like MG um, or salmonella, et cetera, 
And when I ask, did the vet do any laboratory tests to confirm the diagnosis, I'm told no. Um, and, of course, I encourage people to be proactive about getting lab work done, ask the vet for it, uh, and if you could weigh in on that. And then she, she posted it. She sent me pictures of example from a thread where, um, and I'll kind of, kind of exactly what she, oh, where'd it go? Um, what, it, what it explained, and apparently, here it is. Someone posted a picture of a turkey, and, hey, can anybody give me tips or advice on how I can treat MG slash sinus infection in a turkey? And um, the turkey's been on Thailand and added to the water. Um, the vet cut and drained the sinus bubble once, uh, but the sinus bubble returned. And then, of course, she asked, was, it, was the bird actually tested for MG? And she's like, no, wasn't treated uh, or tested for anything. I was just told it was MG. And so she's seeing a lot of this where, whether it be salmonella or this, uh, um, uh, mycoplasma and, and other contagious thing, whatever, the vet and, and uh, just says, oh, it's this but doesn't draw blood or do any further testing, I guess, other than of the, and I, I don't know the answer if, if an experienced vet that, you know, maybe that's a question for Dr. Pateski, but, but um, what's your take on that? She says, she claims she, and I've seen it before, but she's claiming she's using a, a lot of it lately. The people take their bird to the vet, no, no blood draw. And then, Oh yeah, it's MG. Yeah, we need to do this or whatever. Any, any opinion on that? Well, Number one, I'm really pleased that people are taking their birds to the vet, so I really don't want to right, poo-poo right. that. Um, right. However, so many organisms um, tag-team each other. Like any sort of swelling on the head, I mean, that could be MG, but it could be MS. Um, there could be um, – there's a specific uh, mycoplasma for turkeys. And then, of course, what if it's a combination of Histomonas meleagris and that? So you might have to treat one and the other simultaneously. I'm a big fan of getting a diagnosis with um, with actual cultures mm-hmm. because uh, well, there's no guesswork. I don't I like it's wasting like, hey, look, time. I, yeah. Yeah, I, don't no have to, uh, I and the bird does, don't have time to to goof around. You know, we, I know that there's a very short amount of time in which you can actually be effective before the bird's health is so far gone that you know they may not recover. So sometimes that amount of time that it takes to get the diagnosis, even if you get in there quick, is still the same amount of time it's going to take. Um, for the bird to start recovery, so you got to start something. You've got to give them something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may take you two or three days to find out if it's um, mycoplasma. Of course, it's faster if you do molecular tests, but you're going to pay. And I know mm-hmm. that's part of the equation that a veterinarian, you know, veterinarians, yes, you're saving animal lives, but you also have to deal with people's budgets. Uh, So you have to make sure that you're considering people's budgets. And if a family comes to you and says, I only have $25 to spend on this bird, I really want to save it, and your vet fee is already $80, you might just say, oh, it's this. And I I don't know what the ethics are on that. I'm not a veterinarian. I've never dealt 
in those in those the realm of that world. <clears throat> but there are decisions that have to be made with the owner. Um, but I like right. I like Maybe. knowing what's going on. Could it be a and benefit of the doubt for saying, what, okay? Yeah, like at the end of the day, the vet, may, maybe this is a valid scenario. In their mind, they're saying, okay, I know this this um, person is under a budget. I know this testing, if I even mentioned it, would probably be way out of what they're willing to pay. Uh, with all my experience, I feel like this is either this, this, or this. And basically, at the end of the day, treatment is going to be the same for this, this, or this. So I'm going mm-hmm. to, or, you know, do this, this, and this, or treat this bird with this, this, and this, and um, and and and, and go that's from valid. There. So and I veterinarians think. have to have to do that all the time. That's that's right. valid. However, um, when it comes to respiratory, there's a lot of different things that could be at play in there. It could be right. viral and bacterial. It could be mm-hmm. um, parasitic and bacterial. Or in you know, it's just I'm a scientist. I want to know what's going on. I want to know exactly what's going on. So I like the certainty and the feeling of certainty of knowing what actually is going on and making the right decision. But it's tough. The field of veterinary medicine is tough for a reason. Mm-hmm. And you pay for a reason because those judgment <laughs> right. calls of I know looking at this bird, I've got max 48 hours to make a change in this bird or it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may take you more than 24 hours to get um, a sample processed. If you're, And most veterinary offices are not microbiology labs. They can do some very simple scope work looking for parasite eggs. They can do some sample um, sample work. Uh, in like say taking fecal samples and looking for um, parasites or their eggs, uh, but um, they need the rapid tests in the lab set in the in the clinic mm-hmm. setting that says with maybe a sample of um, blood they can get a rapid test result, but you're looking at over a hundred dollars to run a rapid mm-hmm. test. And that's just the way it is. Right. And honestly, okay. when it comes to poultry, you need the rapid test because a lot of times their metabolism is just so high that going without food or, or being stressed for a certain amount of time, they just can't handle it. So if you can find an avian veterinarian, they're usually set up to accommodate that high metabolism of a bird, whether it's a parrot or a chicken, um, you know they'll they'll do the testing that needs to be done, and and often they have the equipment there. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a catch twenty-two. Yeah, I think that uh, answers your question perfectly, and we gave her some scenarios where that might be um, a scenario that's perfectly, perfectly acceptable. Um, so let's start, and we're not going to do a whole show on molting because we've done whole shows on molting. So you can go back and look at our archive and, and do and, and, and listen to those shows on molting. But uh, tis the season. We're starting to see more molting posts. Um, you know, I walked out to my coop, and I thought I had a predator attack because there were feathers everywhere, but <laughs> they're molting. 
And, um, you know, because there's conflicting information about how long a malt should last. Um, again, just a real quick overview, how long, what is it, why is it happening, how long should it last, and the loaded question, do I need to do anything as a poultry owner differently than what I'm doing at the end of the day, maybe a higher protein feed or maybe because you, know, you hear, oh, I better not hold them because oh, it's, it gets very painful as the feathers start to grow back in, just you know, all the things that you hear. But um, So not a whole show on molting, but maybe the, uh, as Dr. Podesky likes to say, the 10,000-foot view uh, of, of molting, and you can share um, just some things you would feel the backyarder would really like to or need to know for, for their molting this season. Well, I'm, I'm going to do some molting and maintenance. So molting, of course, is when they're replacing their feathers. They're growing a new set of feathers. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. dropping their old feathers. And this takes time, and it is a process. And, and like you said, we have done an entire show on this. But there's yeah. some maintenance things that you need to consider during molting and after as we proceed into winter, mm-hmm. fall mm-hmm. and winter. Um, if you have had any sort of wing clipping going on, wing clipping is when you're trimming one wing on a bird, not both, one wing, so they have imbalanced flight and hopefully won't hop over your fence and they'll stay in your your coop or your yard, um, depending, that doesn't mean that they can't fly and kind of climb with their legs, um, but when they molt, those clipped feathers are going to be replaced with a beautiful set of brand new feathers, which makes flight entirely possible again. <laughs> so once those wings are 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 new and in, and you see somebody out there hopping and flapping and <laughs> bouncing around like they might want to achieve uh, lift off to some lower branches somewhere and stop roosting in your coop. Um, you may want to catch them up, and instead of maybe last year you trimmed the right wing, this year you'll trim the left wing so they can build up some muscle in the other side, and um, then the uh, the left wing won't be quite as strong. Or you can keep it the same. You can keep it the same. Uh, and so you're going to have to just trim those wings, and you're just you you can trim the primary and the secondary feathers. Um, no real big difference there. Uh, if you, I wouldn't pull the feathers, and I wouldn't if you've got an a wing feather that just that last feather hasn't molted yet. Don't pull it. Pull that feather. Um, you can trim the rest of them, and then you can come back later and um, you know find that feather that they've finally molted, and then trim that pair of kitchen household kitchen scissors will do the trick mm-hmm. um, no special mm-hmm. equipment um, but of course the chicken's going to be like what are you doing to me and may you know may require two people but one person really can get it done um, don't trim too close to the base of the feather because there's still blood vessels in there and you don't want to hit a blood vessel and make it bleed and so you just want to stick to the the part of the wing that still has the the vein of the feather to it um the vein is actually the the feather shaped part um you know the the rachis is the center part um 
But those dropped feathers, what can you do with them? Well, you can collect up those big wing feathers and learn some old-fashioned pen and ink calligraphy. There you go. Something that you can try with those dropped (laughs) wing feathers. Um, Normally you need a little bit larger um, center point, like a a goose or turkey feather. But uh, why not go have some fun with those dropped uh, wing feathers and see if you can have some some writing contest, a little calligraphy for you to do. Um, so you'll have to reclip those wings. At the same time, if you're going that, through that process, you might as well take a look at their tail, their toenails and their beak. Toenails are not quite as easy to trim as the wing, but um, what you can do, and, and I like doing this with the bird on their back, Um, wrap them up in a towel, make sure they don't get too hot though, but wrap them up in a towel, let their head stick out, and I'll sit down in a, in a chair and set them on their back in my lap with their feet pointed away from me. Now, that means their head might have to be just kind of set off to the side a little bit so they can still breathe and everything. But uh, by wrapping them in a towel, then they can, um, they can, you've got control over their wings and they can't get up and, and run away. Using a pair of dog or cat toenail trimmers, you can trim chicken's toenails. Personally, I really like using a rotary tool, like a Dremel tool. Um, they don't, you don't have to use an expensive Dremel tool. They've got little $10 versions out there at Harbor Freight. Um, I like the flat rock attachment. And I just grind down toenails. If, if, I wanna, if I've got a really long toenail or really long spur, I'll start trimming it back with large clippers and then go to the fine work with the Dremel tool. Uh, they'll fight you a little bit because they don't like the vibration, but if you got the, the feet um, pushed out, um, then, then you can kind of keep their toes from curling and round the, the toes. If you look at the underside of a chicken toenail, which you're not going to do very well if you've got the bird in the position that I just talked about, uh, if you want to see the underside of a toenail, set the chicken in a chair opposite you. Make sure you've got them wrapped up tight. And then look at the bottom of the foot and the underside of the toenail. You'll see that there's kind of a V in there. It's really hard to see on the smaller bird or with a smaller back toe. But definitely you can see it on the large middle toe. Um, and that's kind of where the chicken's quick is, tip of that V. And so you want to trim back close to that V that makes a blunt-ended toenail. And then take your Dremel tool and work on the sides and work that uh, that uh, back. A lot of people tell me they can kind of see where the quick is on a light-colored toenail, but it's hard on a dark-colored toenail. I grew up with dogs and cats with dark colored toenails. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's how I found out that that V is kind of on the 
bottom of the toe with the chickens, and that really helps. Anytime that you're going to be trimming toenails or beaks, um, you definitely want to have some stop bleed uh, on hand. Um, sometimes baking soda works, sometimes it doesn't, and the stop bleed or stick thick pencil is what you need in case you go back too far. It happens to the best of us. You've got the toenail clipper right where you want it, and as you're, you know, clipping down and the bird moves, and so you you hit blood, and you're like, oh, no, and you stick your finger over it real quick, and sometimes that's all you need if it's a tiny little um, bit. But mm-hmm. if you nail them close, they're flapping and squawking at you, and um, you know, you're going to need a styptic pencil or, or stop blade. It happens. You will be forgiven eventually. <laughs> but, you know, it, in the meantime, you're feeling bad. The chicken's upset. Um, but, uh, and I would definitely wait a week before taking a Dremel tool to any toe that you got them on, uh, real good with the uh, clippers and there was blood involved. Um, that's going to be a tender toe for a while. Probably two weeks would be better, but um, you might, if you got them real good and, and they're bleeding real good, you're going to have to probably separate them for a day or two until you're sure that, that it's healed up enough that you can stick them back outside in the dirt and whatever they're going to get into. Um, the next thing, uh, the Dremel tool, I, I think there's a product out there that came out for dogs that has like a, I think it's like pet guard or toenail trimmer. It's just a Dremel tool, folks. Um, go find one. Yard sales are about to, at a close this time of year. Get them real cheap. Get the rock attachment. Um, trim down. Um, then you can look at the beak. Is your, you know, some people have chickens with crooked beaks and that bottom beak or that top beak can start to curl in and obstruct the bird's um, pecking. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you, even if your chickens don't have that problem, that top beak is going to continue growing. It's going to crack. It's going to break. And you want to control the, um, the erosion back on that beak, even if you do nothing for your birds. If they go outside all the time and they, they work the ground, you're still going to see growth on that beak. So you you kind of want to to take a little um, Dremel tool or even even if you use an emery board, um, work that beak back. And um, you're going to have to hold the beak on the sides, not blocking the nose because that's their air hole. Um, you want to grasp the beak and, um, you know, get that Dremel tool in there. Uh, to keep their beak open, you might stick your pinky finger in there or one of your fingers in there. Um, they're not going to like it, but you're not doing this for 12 hours straight. If you are, you're doing it wrong. Um, you're going to just uh, work the that beak back and round it out. Um, if you do end up trimming a beak, uh, there'll be sharp corners, and that's where an emery board comes in. You can kind of smooth those out. 
same with the Dremel tool if you don't have an emery board. Um, and, you know, if again, if you don't have a Dremel tool and you need to smooth out the corners on the toenails, <clears throat> then use an, use an emery board. It's just sandpaper and um, you can push down pretty hard on it and get that job done in a hurry. Your chickens will thank you in the long run, but there is absolutely no doubt that it'll probably take you 30 minutes if you're working alone to get one bird done, especially if you're doing this for the first time and you're not using the power tool. You're probably going to trim and then you're going to spend 30 minutes on those toes. So if you don't have a big chunk of time to work on this, set aside one bird a day until you're all, your whole flock is done. And then you don't have to worry about it for another year. And you can be done for the year once all your flock mates are, are completed. Um, but before I go on to the rest of the maintenance things, Andy, I think mm-hmm. you might mm-hmm. want to go to commercial break. I can do that. I'm ready to do that. So uh, no problems. And I'm glad we talked a little bit about maintenance and really molting and kind of put all that together. That's awesome for our listeners. So yeah, I'll go to the next commercial break. We only take two per show. We already went through the first one. This will be the last one, and then we'll continue on when we return uh, with more with poultry scientist Dr. Bridget McRae. We'll return right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. 
But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Um, we're coming around the corner here um, in 2017, and I know a lot of people um, like to hear the news updates and current events and current news from this show while they're enjoying their afternoon learning about uh, poultry that they love so much. But um, you probably will only get this from here. So I do this on occasion to keep you updated and in the know. Uh, so today's in the know segment, I want to let you know that there are, there are 94 days, 9 hours, 9 minutes, and 35 seconds until Christmas. <laughs> Christmas or Deck Dolls, 
but the girls, they're a little rusty. We're just starting this. We're coming around the curve. We've just had a few practices with the ladies out in the coop. And so you probably heard they were just a little bit of crackly and rusty there. But we're working on it. You know, as closer we get to Christmas, they will be a fine-tuned machine of Christmas caroling chickens. So but you want to be in the know, and now you're in the know of how long it is until Christmas. All right, let's get back to our learning today with our good friend, Culture scientist, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. All righty, what's next on the uh, agenda, Doc? Why do you do that every time I come on? <laughs> I'm sure you have it out for me. Oh, golly. Is this something I said? I, I don't think I said Christmas. Oh, golly. <laughs> that normally is the secret code word, but um, oh. I thought, you know, I thought today, you know, people want to be However, in the know when they listen to this show. And <laughs> I, When I was taking my break earlier today, I did find myself looking on Pinterest at turkey wreaths, and there's just <laughs> not a lot of turkey wreaths, because I'm here in the poultry science department. I said, I definitely need a turkey wreath for my door. I would be remiss yeah, if, you know, I, I didn't make my own or, or find the right turkey wreath. I think I found one. It's got dangly legs and everything. But I would have to make it, and I'm just like, ugh. Like I have time. So tell me what would happen <laughs> if, if, if you, um, it's, it's real low in the background, just kind of like a, a suit, you know, if you, if I, if I, gifted you this chicken Christmas CD and you had it in your office. In the, <laughs> you had it in your office, you know, on a little player down in the corner by the window or whatever, and, it, and it's just slowly playing. You know, maybe between Thanksgiving and Christmas there in the poultry science department at that, Auburn University. That and, would work. That would work. I would have to turn it off for fo- certain phone calls, like probably – when cattle or goat people call, they don't know. No, no, oh, not going to want to hear that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the students would adore that as they're walking by. Because I'm go. right next to the stairs. If they heard that, they would just be like, "Wow!" <laughs> would change like, their yeah, their minds. <laughs> I gotta love it. Oh me. Okay, I know we were. Let's see what else were we uh, on the list that we were going to talk ah, about? Spurs. Today, but... We need to talk about spurs. Yeah. 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 Okay, um, spurs are mostly with roosters, and I realize not everybody has a rooster, but sometimes, given the right circumstances and conditions, a hen will start to grow her spurs. And as such, you may find yourself having to deal with that or deal with a rooster's spurs. Um, if you want, you can get away with a pretty long time, a couple of years before having to do anything. But if you notice when your chicken is walking and it's got a skipping gait, it could be because the spurs are clacking against each other, which impedes the bird's walking movement. So it's definitely time in that case to get to work on those spurs. doesn't matter what time of year it is. Um, you want the spurs to be about an inch or so long when you're done. Uh, letting spurs get much longer than that is really um, not fair to the bird. And those spurs can continue growing to the point where they curl back around and start to grow into the chicken's own leg, which causes, of course, an infection, which shortens the life of the bird because it can die then. 
just because you didn't trim those spurs back. So say you've got a situation where you inherited a rooster or you've got a rooster and you never tackled those spurs before. How do you even get started? Um, here's where a Dremel tool really is your best friend. First of all, just cut those spurs right in half um, using that rock attachment. Um, if you don't know where the uh, – if you got like three-inch long spurs, cut them right in half. And then you can start uh, with that Dremel tool, start working back until you see the quick. And you can actually blunt end, make um, the spurs little blunt ends. And if you're showing your chickens, definitely you're going to want to do this. Um, make those ends blunt rather than pointy. Uh, the judge will appreciate that, um, especially if you've got a difficult bird. But you want to make those those spurs, you know, work them back till you see the quick and then make those ends blunt. Um, you can kind of uh, see how fast they grow after that. And um, you might find yourself working on them once a year. Um, that's probably your best bet. But um, otherwise, you can just kind of do that every uh, year or two and see if they aren't, you know, doing better for the bird. So definitely do not neglect the spurs on those birds. Um, other things that you can do while you've got that bird in your hands, um, check over the, the head. Are the nose clear? Is there dirt in there? Um, you can take a, a, a Q-tip or a Q-tip if you want, but um, a toothpick that you let soak overnight in water and gently work free any um, dirt in the nostril just right on the outside. You're not sticking it in their nose. Um, and then sometimes they get feet on their face and, you, you know, it gets all matted and yicky. And you can take a wet Q-tip and, and work that free and um, get them all cleaned up. Uh, other things you can do is um, look over the rest of their body for parasites. Open up the wing. Hold it up to the light. Um, if you see little dark specks that are right along the center of the wing, right next to the quill, um, and they're actually in the in the vein area of the the feather. Um, that could be a shaft louse. And as those feathers are dropped, um, they're going to be on the coop floor, and so you may find that you need to pick up those those feathers and get them out of there just to get rid of the, the shaft lice. Of course, you want to check the rest of the body. We've had entire shows on mites and lice, so I'm not going to delve into that. But if molting, um, if they're molting knit-laden feathers, you want to get those out of the coop. So pick them up um, if you can uh, using a, a little doggy pooper scooper or if you've got sand out in the run and you know, you've got a, a little shop vac. You can just suck them right up and get them out of there. Um, put them in the compost pile or in the burn pit, and you can get rid of them. Um, other things that are 
uh, things that I like to do more in the spring and in the summer, and it's still pretty hot in places, so you might get away with it. Um, bathing your chickens, getting rid of those external parasites and working really, really hard right now to get those external parasite numbers down or gone as you go into winter. Because in winter, the birds huddle close to each other and those parasites go from bird to bird to bird really quick. Like in a month's time, one bird could become everyone's problem if you only had it on one bird. So you can bathe your chickens. Um, It's warm enough that daytime, if you use a dark-colored bin and you let the water sit outside, it should reach um, ambient temperature and, and be warm bath water for the chickens. Um, if not, you can use water from the house that's warm, not scalding. You've got to be able to put your hands in the water too. Um, so, you know, one bin with soapy water, one bin with um, vinegar water, and then one bin with clean rinse water. And you scrub them. Do not get water in the eyes or the ears. And don't let their head pop down into the water. Um, they may taste the water, um, probably will be really disappointed with it when they get to the vinegar water. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a wet process for you, too, so cho- choose a warm day. Uh, let the birds dry outdoors, um, not overnight, but, you know, if you can get that water heated up and get the bathing done by 1 or 2 o'clock, leave the birds outdoors, and, and they'll... They'll dry themselves off and preen and get to looking gussy again. You can pop them back in the coop. But while you got them out of the coop, you you might as well do some cleaning in there. And If you've got a parasite problem and, and you're not willing to, to spray um, anything on them for a quick kill, uh, bathing is a good solution for you. However, you still have to treat the chicken coop house environment because they're in there too. Um, and you're going to have to, to just clean everything out and start fresh and check at the same time. Check for red mites in the nooks and crannies of any wooden surfaces, which is why I recommend you paint your wooden surfaces to seal up any crack. Um, so as they're drying, you've got some stuff to do inside the coop. Um, and if you need to put down fresh bedding or... Um, paint the coop while while the chickens are out so that you can let things dry. That's the time to do it. Um, hopefully you'll get all your birds washed. Um, if it's a team effort, if it's a family effort, have the kids wash the chickens. You know, show them exactly what you want done on the first bird and then, you know, let them do the rest of them, knowing full well that if you've got a major parasite issue, uh, you may have to change out that first wash water frequently um, just so that the lice and mites that came off of one bird don't get redeposited on the next bird when you go to wash them in that first bin. Um, it can get it can get out of control quickly, so you know regular checking of your birds is is key. And then look for holes holes made by rodents or um, predators and fix them while you've got the chickens out of there. Um, So if you're doing the clean out and the kids are doing the bathing, 
maybe dad can fix and repair the coop as needed while all the chickens are out of there. Um, Mother Nature does a great job drying the birds and and gussing them up. Uh, Be sure to scrub their feet uh, and check their feet over for any um, signs of bumblefoot while you've got a hold of them. And uh, sometimes you can you can uh, treat bumblefoot if you see the the initial wound, and you can kind of put a little um, vet wrap on that foot to to keep dirt or other bacteria out of there as it's healing. A little neosporin goes a long way there, but you don't want the chickens to eat the neosporin. And of course, if you put a big blob of something on their foot, they're going to want to peck at it. So put some vet wrap on there. Uh, to help them take care of that. But just some maintenance issues to think about um, before the weather starts to really kind of get, you know, grumpy outside, rainy, leaves are falling off the trees and temperatures are dropping. Um, Everyone seems to think then, but actually while it's still warm in September is a great time to, to start preparing for these sorts of things and set aside, you know, part of a day to get this done. And if it's a team effort, it goes a lot faster. So pick a day where folks aren't at, you know, baseball or soccer or football and um, take that day and, and take care of the birds. And most of this stuff you'll be done in short order and you can, Check it off your list, your annual to-do list. So there you go, Andy. Any other questions pop up while I was talking? I didn't. I just signed on to Twitter, so I don't see any. I just hit notifications, didn't see any over on uh, Twitter, and we did answer the one question we had that came in as soon as I announced you were going to be on, and we already covered that. I do want to finish up and add, um, while you're doing all of this uh, work in your backyard, in the coop, and in the run, and handling your chickens to, uh, again, utilize good biosecurity to protect your chickens and your family, use the hand sanitizer before and after you handle your birds, the, the one pair of boots. The changing the clothes after you've been using those clothes to, you know, all of that good stuff and washing your hands very good, um, just all of that while you're doing all this coop work and um, and get. Well, if you've been cleaning the coop, get, you're probably going to want to take a shower afterwards anyhow. <laughs> exactly. <And all laughs> just make water sure water you didn't use up all the hot water in the house for the chicken bathing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man, you got to love it. So, uh, well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. Great topics, plural, great topics, because we covered a lot of stuff in this show. And it looks like um, you're scheduled to be back the first Thursday of October. Can you believe it? October. Um, Oktoberfest with we- chickens, yeah. Uh, chicken fest, Oktoberfest, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> hey, you know what we can, you know what we need to do? Wait, you know what we need to do? This what? is a great idea. You, we can, you be the, and you'll, we'll make you the judge. So you're the bad guy. You'll be the judge. Maybe we can do a Thanks. chicken, car, uh, a chicken, a chicken, a chicken carving contest. Slap me silly. A pumpkin carving contest for October. Oh yeah. Oh, Carve absolutely. I used to have my students do that. Yeah, so we can do a, a pumpkin carving contest. People can submit their pictures of their chicken-themed chicken, turkey, poultry, whatever uh, themed um, pumpkin carving. Submit that, and I'll I'll contact a sponsor, and we'll have a really cool prize. 
Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> I think we need to do that. Do that for we'll run the whole month and, of October. And so folks, be awesome. if you know somebody who makes turkey wreaths, let me know. All right, Andy. Gobble, thanks gobble. for having me on. Thank you, and we'll see you in October. That's going to wrap up another awesome show here. Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends uh, up at Kambach Feeds. And um, actually, uh, I will be up there in October uh, for three or four days. We'll be working on a video series uh, primarily focused on educating uh, employees of feed stores. Because I think based on, again, consumer-driven information, I hear and I have for years heard about the weak link of, of employees of a lot of these feed stores, whether it be the chain stores or the mom-and-pop stores, weak link. And you can't expect a 17-year-old working there part-time after school to know everything about horses and pigs and goats and chickens. So uh, my idea was to develop this little video learning series. Um, and do about 12 videos. We'll add to it over the years, but this first uh, for the Chick Days events, uh, 12 topics, 12 one- to two-minute videos uh, for the, the employees to learn more. That what are the most common questions they're going to get from the, from the newbies coming in to buy these baby chicks this spring? So I'll be up there three or four days making videos and specifically trying to educate and, and train the employees of these feed and seed stores uh, so they can then – because, you know, look, we, we can only reach so many people. When I go on book and speaking tours, you know, I can only reach so many people that actually show up. By, by training and, and educating the employee, he, he has the opportunity to employ all of his customers to come into a store. So I think that's a great avenue. Um, glad I thought about that, Chicken Whisperer. So glad we're implementing it now uh, with our good friends up at Kalmbach Feed so, uh, and for all their dealers that carry their awesome feed. So that's going to wrap it up. We'll be back. Are we going to be back next week? Is, it the, is there four or five Thursdays? One, two, three. Yeah, four Thursdays. So we'll have to see um, maybe somebody coming on next Thursday, 2 p.m. right here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. So uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Backyard Poultry. Uh, of course, on Facebook. And you can go to our website, go and get, get links to everywhere, that, everything that we do, chickenwhisperer.com. So uh, thanks for tuning in today. We do appreciate it. God bless everybody. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.